Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. You know, today's episode is a special episode. I got to apologize. I have not done a good enough job, clearly, based on an exchange I had on social media. I haven't done a good enough job with my definitions and my educational series and that sort of thing. And so today's episode, I'm going to focus on that a little bit more, and I'm going to do my best to educate some of these people. Now, of course, these people in particular that have triggered this particular episode's cadence clearly don't listen to the show because they now it's possible they listen. They just don't know what the hell they're talking about. Regardless, I want to make sure I add some definitions and clarifications so I can help them. I want to help them. My goal has been to help educate and inform for people that just don't know any better. And these particular people, I want to help define. And the beauty of my definition is you can go out on the web and if you bother to use a search engine in your life, you can confirm that exactly what I'm saying is the truth. Now, I hope that these people listen to the show and they'll take the time to come back and give me my credit and apologize for them not understanding the truth of the matter. Before we get to that, though, let's go through our news because I'm always wanting to talk about things that are pertinent, relevant to you in advance of anything else. Doge. Doge jumped on some slight manipulation from Elon Musk when he tweeted out, I believe it was a tweet, for McDonald's to accept Doge. And he's talking about, oh, you'd have a meal on air if you take Doge. Do, do, do. Now, this is clear manipulation. I don't agree with it's stupid. Number one, it's like, I wish the dude from Super Size Me would have responded with just a picture of his deal. You know, he was the guy that basically. We no longer have the supersize, which used to be an option at McDonald's. You know, you could supersize the fries. You could supersize the drink. And he caused this whole big thing because he got fat just eating nothing but McDonald's. And then, of course, McDonald's rep tanked. And so they started introducing all these terrible salads and smoothies and all this other garbage. I wish that guy had chimed in and said, think about what you're doing. What you're doing is you're advocating us going backward in time when we just took progress to get us away from that world. Now, in fairness... I like the supersize option. I think it should have been a choice for people, and it ultimately should have been education. Regardless, Elon's tweet did spike Doge's price a little bit. Didn't go up significantly, but there are people out there that just respond anytime Elon tweets, and it drives me nuts. It is what it is, but hopefully nothing comes of it, and we can move back to normal society and at some point stop responding to Elon's tweets. The feds, they're starting to meet now, and this is going to talk about crypto in general. And, of course, I covered the fact that Biden was prepping an executive order. But now this meeting is going to really kind of determine the core takeaway of this one that we're waiting on is, are they going to raise interest rates in general? The expectation is that they're going to raise interest rates, and if they raise interest rates, it may harm crypto a little bit more. However, they're also talking about potentially what's going to happen with crypto and any sort of movements in that direction and kind of see what's going to happen. Now, the hope, the desire is that they don't raise interest rates because the on the stock side, like the S&P 500, it's down quite a bit. And we want to kind of get people back up and get recovery. The Omicron has kind of caused a little bit of a wrench in some of the recovery. And so now people are saying, look, we got to give a little bit more to this. We're still in this pandemic. We're not out on the other side. We got to get back on square one before we start talking about disrupting the industry. But when you spend, spend, spend as they have done, 
you got to kind of have to start recouping that money somehow. So the theory, the strong theory is that they are going to start raising rates that may have a direct negative impact on the cryptocurrency industry, but we're waiting to see what's going to happen and whether, whether it's going to be a thing and what impact that truly is going to have. I don't feel comfortable calling this news, but I guess it's news. Paris Hilton's back in somewhat of a relevancy because she's jumped into NFTs and created NFTs. I've not seen these NFTs, but apparently she was on Jimmy Fallon and decided to give away NFTs that were described as moments with her and her husband because she got married for like the nth time. And I feel bad because I talked about on The Gentleman's World, you know, I've dated a lot of different variety and category, I guess, of women over time. And so it's hard when certain women have had certain things happen. There's an initial image I have of them that I think is unfair, but I can't help it. And I'm honest at all points. When I think of Paris Hilton and talking about NFTs, and if you remember my past episode, I was talking about girls who are on OnlyFans doing NFTs for very sketchy reasons. I keep thinking, okay, maybe she's back on the adult side. I'm pretty sure she didn't, but my point is, is that I think it's hard to take it seriously because it's like you're Paris Hilton. Like you were, you and to a lesser degree, Pam Anderson were partly responsible for the rise of hacked devices, quote unquote. And the, uh, you know, the adult industry took a different approach as a result of this. And I, I, it wouldn't surprise me, let's say, to see certain NFTs that are kind of higher priced that go a different direction. I don't, I hope not, because apparently she's got a little bit more entrepreneurial spirit. Of course, she had, you know, inheritances from the Hilton legacy, but I know she's tried to dabble in a couple of things and they haven't worked out. Now, if you go back in time for anybody who's around my age, she was largely responsible for the rise of the T-Mobile sidekick way back in the day, which that device no longer exists anymore because Microsoft ruined it. But I think her influence, she's like one of the original influencers. If you define influencers, which I don't like that, but if you define influencers, she's one of the originals, somebody that just them showing or talking about a thing in public makes it a thing. So Maybe it turns good news for NFTs in general. And apparently she gave out NFTs to everybody who was in the audience. You know, it's kind of like the whole Oprah, you get a whatever, you get a whatever. Um, so that was the thing I'll talk about because you may see those NFTs show up at some point. And again, if they happen to be adult ones, then, you know, it is what it is. And then on the last point for news, just on news specifically, uh, OpenSea. I talked about the hack with OpenSea and the issue that they had they're calling it a interface issue which means something was wrong with the interface it was showing the wrong price and as a result people were able to buy certain nfts on the cheap when it was supposed to be sold at a super high and then people were reselling it and making a whole bunch of money it was a whole big issue and the person who had it up for sale is kind of pissed off because of course he was supposed to have that money and didn't they did the research did open sea they found out what was going on they found out who was affected by this and they reimbursed them assuming fair market value on this deal. It's a lot of money though, because these stupid ape NFTs are going like nuts and I don't know what the popularity is around them. I think they're stupid, but as I've said, if somebody believes there's value, then there's clearly value in it. So I guess kudos to OpenSea for doing the reimbursement. Kind of the concern is why are we seeing so many breaches on NF on OpenSea in particular? There was breaches about the IP, breaches about this, uh, NFTs where they were just destroyed, straight out destroyed um, for no reason. Um, lack of support. Like there's been all sorts of issues with OpenSea. 
it kind of reminds me of Solana. It's almost like Solana and OpenSea should just partner up because of failures that they both have and learn from each other because for whatever reason, neither can seem to keep things consistent and it's causing a rise of some competitors in the space, at least in the NFT space, but certainly in other spaces. There's other news that's that's lesser news that you've probably already seen yourself, but we are seeing a bit of recovery in the general industry. We are seeing some up price trends, especially on BNB, which is a good one. And then Ethereum had a little bit of uptrend, but not nearly enough to offset some of the bleed. But it seems to be trending slightly upward, which we want. It's still down major from where it really should be. But seeing trend upward is a positive thing. I think at this point, what would potentially harm this growth is going to be whatever happens with this Fed meeting and what they decide to do there, plus the executive order coming from the Biden administration. Those, I think, are going to be the two things that we have to watch out for for any potential, excuse me, additional disruption with the price movement that we're seeing and a lack of progress with this. And then on ETH2O, speaking about Ethereum, ETH2O, they decided pretty much for just staying relevant, I guess, they decided to change the name away from ETH2O. They're no longer calling it that anymore. Now they're calling it the consensus layer. And they wanted to try to just kind of put a stronger name, a better name on it that more represents what they're trying to do. There's still some people that are upset about the whole staking because when you go and stake it, you're staking ETH2. So when you go into Coinbase or something else, it says ETH2. But internally, they just came with a name that doesn't that doesn't match the staking. So they're not going to change the various exchanges, presumably. Hopefully they do. But as of right now, they're not trying to. And the concern is that somebody could spin up a phony token called consensus layer, which is very easy to do. It takes you seconds to do it. And then scam people out of tokens. And I suspect that's going to happen. This is the problem with some of these tokens. They just arbitrarily make a decision, just go off, do it without really thinking it through. And it makes me a little bit skeptical of whatever they want to call it now, ETH2O consensus regardless, makes me a little bit skeptical. But what they're really doing under the hood is they're changing their approach ever slightly. So they're not going to get rid of what we know of as Ethereum, the core Ethereum layer, they're calling that execution layer, and then this 2O be called consensus layer. So in a sense, they're extending Ethereum a little bit. And if I can envision, based on their terminology, what they're, what they're targeting, they may be targeting a situation where the actual transaction is done at one point and the validation is done at a different point so that it's, it's kind of like an offload, like a low balancing situation. There may be some value in doing that, but it feels like lipstick on a pig because it still doesn't potentially resolve the gas issue. If that's if that's what they're doing, it doesn't really resolve the gas issue. All it's doing is spreading the gas around, and you wouldn't see the kind of significant benefit like we need to see. So, again, it's one of those where we need to figure out what's going on with that one because so many tokens and so many different layers depend on Ethereum at the core in order to make things happen. But this name change, again, creates some more conversation around what it is they're really going to do. What does this new thing look like? And it may turn out to be a great thing. Who knows? But we'll have to wait and see. Let's get into some conversation and let's learn a little something. Because, I, you know, I was inspired um, some time ago, a long time ago, at the state of Arizona. They were trying to pass some laws around illegal immigration and they were having a hard time because some of these 
legislators were coming in and they were criticizing this illegal immigration, anti-legal immigration bill that was happening. And so Arizona decided to create what they called the Arizona sing-along frog. And I was very inspired by the Arizona sing-along frog because if you think about what his message was, his message simply was, how about you read the freaking bill? Just read the bill. And, you know, and just to kind of put in perspective, you know, some of the lyrics on this one, you know, okay, kids, are you ready? Let's sing along. There it goes. Reading is really super swell. Reading's great. So let's all shout out loud. Reading helps you know what you're talking about. And of course, I'm a podcast, so you have to listen but we do support closed captioning and transcription. So if you are that kind of listener that you know somebody that's hard of hearing that would benefit from the podcast, please steer them to CryptoTalkRadio.net. We do have instructions on how you can enable captions so that you can follow along with our podcast and you can learn along with us. So there is a, a benefit to reading and we want to make sure that you get that information and we are excited to make sure that you get this information. But the sing-along frog, they didn't even bother to read. They just react right? They just get triggered as we call it in the current modern. And what happened today on, in this case, Twitter, I happened to notice a couple of days ago that our account, our podcast account was blocked by the Kishimoto Twitter account. Now we don't understand why that happened because we do know that there are certain people that get a little bit up in arms about things we say about say Satama, for example, but none of them have blocked as far as we can tell because they realize that our coverage is unbiased. We're just giving an opinion we have never at any point trashed any single coverage that we've done, none. And with Kishimoto, it's different because with Kishimoto, we actually have been bullish about it. We've mentioned it on numerous episodes and we did dedicated episodes around not only our open letter where we said, you guys just need to be patient about this thing. We believe it'll be successful, but you got to be patient. We had talk points with Reddit and people there that were concerned that Kishimoto was a scam. We specifically told them, it's not a scam. It's a legitimate project. It's got decent people, but we did acknowledge it's going to have a hard time succeeding because they're only focusing on one core audience. And we talked about this with Shirio too. If you're only focused on games, NFTs, and that's an anime, you got to understand that people who are over the age of freaking 40, generally speaking, are not interested in your topic. If they're not interested in your topic, it's going to be hard to sell them on why they should buy your token because it's not of interest to them. You've got to have strong utility. So this led us to think that maybe people don't understand that there are three different types of investors at the core. We can, we can diversify a little further, but at the core, there are three different types of investors. Investor number one are the FOMO crowd. They're the people that will buy into something because they see the graphs moving in a certain direction or sell out because it's moving in the opposite direction. Investor two are the fundamentals crowd the ones that will really look and dig and do as much analysis as possible until they're comfortable, but they don't really care what the token's doing. They care about the fundamentals. They care about strong white paper. They care about utility. They care about long-term sentiment. They care about community. They care about all these things. Level three, this is what I'm talking about. These are the ones, generally speaking, these folks are in the stock market hot and heavy. They know how to trade, day trade, limit orders. They know the advanced levels of how to trade and they don't care necessarily about the, the tokenomics per se, but they do care about why should I invest in you? Give me a reason why I should really invest in you outside of the fundamentals. Just what problem do you solve? 
Now, this third group is hard to get, but they're harder to keep because they're so good at day trading. They know how to time it. They know how to buy in and out, and that's good. We want volume in the business because volume is how price moves, as I've said before. What you don't want are these this third tier, who are generally your whales, buying into a project early on with the express intent of tanking it later when it spikes, which we've seen time and again. We saw it with SHIB at points. We saw it with Satama at points. We're seeing it with other projects like ETH Fan Token. You don't want that. And so it's hard to identify when, because you don't know, right? You don't know who's buying into a thing. You can assume that if it's a whale, though, if they're making, you know, you're on the ETH side and they're spending like 10 to 15 ETH, this is a whale pretty much. Assume it's a whale. Okay, well, then what attracted that whale? Was it just seeing that it's a green chart going up? Or was there something fundamental about the token that we see it solves a problem and they knew this is a long haul, it's going to be something, which is generally the case for something like Doge. So what happens is I cover it from all angles. I try to identify the token and I cover it from every angle I can think of. And I'll tell you, ideally, don't FOMO into a thing, don't YOLO, certainly don't YOLO into it. And I try to analyze the fundamentals and what problem does it solve and what are the utilities. But I also talk about community because I think community is critical and it's overlooked by a lot of these tokens. They don't understand the importance of community. And frankly, many of them, Saitama included, don't understand about investor sentiment with respect to the community messaging. So what am I saying? I'm saying if you're going to set up social media and when we say social media, what am I talking about? I'm talking about Twitter. I'm talking about Instagram. I'm talking about Reddit. Yes, it's a social media platform, of course. I'm talking about YouTube. I'm talking about Facebook. I'm talking about Snapchat. I'm talking about TikTok. And, of course, I'm talking about Telegram only because, for whatever reason, in other countries, not the U.S., they seem to love that garbage. So if you're going to spin up multiple of these platforms, what I said about Kishimoto multiple times, what I said about multiple other coins, that Satama does do well, your message needs to be consistent across all platforms. Dior Token did a great job, and they've they've worked hard, and I can tell the technology that went into play to do this. They do a great job of trying to make sure that when they do these live events, and they do them all the time, that your Discord is involved, your Telegram's involved, your Twitter's involved, they try to do Facebook, they have some issues, and your YouTube's involved because they want the investors to try to hear the same message, and they've amassed an army essentially from what I can tell of really good moderators to make sure that people are assisted and the message is consistent across the board and they keep their website up to date because if you don't do that what happens is you give one message in one platform and another message in another platform and then your investors are like why is there an inconsistent message that's sketchy why because it is sketchy because why would you not want your message to be consistent across all of your various platforms if you weren't going to keep your platforms consistent, why bother creating them in the first place? So then when Santa Coin came up some ages ago and then eventually they bowed out, I called out, okay, you need to make sure that you are giving consistent message across your platforms. Why aren't you responding to your investors on Reddit? And this dude or lady, I don't care, said, and I quote, that's not an official source. It doesn't matter. It's still a source that represents your brand because your investors are there and your investors need that messaging to be consistent. So your job is to go where they are. Th these are essentially fans of your product. Why are you dismissing them that way? That's not acceptable. I've called that out. So when we talk about investor sentiment with this, 
your investors will get outright insulted if you dismiss them as I've seen many tokens do. This is what I call it with Kishimoto because Kishimoto announced first, they were going to give some tokens, Binance chain tokens to those that were affected by the Suzuki rug pull. I covered that and I said, it's great that they're doing that. It's awesome that they're doing that on Twitter. And I celebrated them doing this because no token even thinks of doing something that's like that. Of course, there are other motives. You want to get more holders. That's fine because you're still doing a service to them. You know they could sell it, so you're not worried about it. I celebrated this. Now, they fast forward said, okay, whatever's left over, we're going to distribute to our holders because we want to appreciate our holders. The key word there is holders. I called out on another coin. I think it was ID. I said that if you're going to extend your, to this goes to the same like with the social media. If you're going to extend your coin to multiple networks, networks meaning, of course, Binance, Smart Chain, Phantom, Polygon, AVAX, Cosmos, whatever. If you're going to have your token on multiple platforms, you need to understand that your investors, regardless of what platform they chose to buy in, are all part of that pool. So when you say holders, the assumption is that you are going to benefit all of them regardless of where they're at. This is not what Kishimoto did. They promised to do it through their Reddit and initially through the Twitter account. No problem. Certain people chimed in and said, no, what we're hearing is that it's only the Ethereum side, which is the bulk of where their holders are. But regardless, you promised to give it to your holders. You didn't say Ethereum holders. And why are you disadvantaging your other holders at the expense why are you doing that when you could, if you wanted to, benefit all your holders? And why would you not want to? And I called out, you need to make sure that you're doing them right because they're all your holders. They're all your investors. This is not fair to them that you're going to disadvantage them that way. Then they put all sorts of hoops in there. Then they put all sorts of conditions that weren't there at front. At first, it was, it doesn't matter as long as you hold it in a private wallet, you're good. Then it was, well, you had to have bought it from an exchange. Do, do, do. That's, that's different because what you're doing, and later on Twitter, the guy came back because I responded and said, why is my account blocked here? It doesn't make sense because I've been nothing but bullish about the project, but I call out these issues and concerns of lack of consistency across the board. His response was, well, the reason we made that decision, which was never communicated on their website, never communicated in Twitter, never communicated in Reddit, never communicated anywhere else. Apparently, what they decided to do internally without ever disclosing this was they said, you know what, we're going to do this to benefit our ETH holders kind of as a uh, benefit because they have to pay gas to buy the token. Here's the thing. The reason that many of these tokens spin up alternate network version of their tokens is so that they can avoid the gas fees but still buy in and then use the bridge to swap over to whatever network they want to host on. They allowed those people to take claim of those coins. So you could have bought in to the Binance chain, swapped over to the ETH chain, and then claim the coins. Well, those people didn't pay the gas. So your excuse is, frankly, crap. Because no, what happened is you decided to distribute to where the vast majority of holders were. We wouldn't have had an issue with that if your initial announcement had made it clear that we are doing this benefit only for our ETH holders. We don't care about our Binance holders. We don't care about our phantom holders. Just be upfront and say, we don't care about you guys. We care about ETH. However, if you're on Binance or you're on phantom, we want you on ETH. So 
please bridge your coins to ETH before we do the distribution so you can get it and then you can bridge back. At least you're open and communicating that we want you to be included, but we have made an internal decision regardless of you that we're only going to distribute to our ETH holders. Then what should happen is you should set up a DAO to let the investors decide. We have this excess pool of tokens. What does the investor pool think we should do overall? The investor pool is going to say, burn them. Why? Because burning benefits everybody. It doesn't just benefit and enrich one set of population of people. Because you got to think about it. When you do that distribution to your ETH holders, most of them are going to be your whales. So all you've done is enrich your top wallet holders. And when those people sell out, who gets harmed? Everybody gets harmed. That's the downside of the approach that they took, which is why we called out. You need consistency across your tokens. Number one, how you treat your investors needs to be consistent across the board. Number two, your social media management and communication sucks and you need to get it consistent. He came back and said, well, we're sorry that the Reddit made one mistake. You're missing the point, bro. The point is, it's not about whether your Reddit made a mistake. Your Reddit didn't make a mistake. You didn't tell your Reddit what they needed to know in order to get the message clean. They didn't make a mistake. That person specifically said, this is what we were told. We were told that they are going to distribute to the Binance chain holders. Somebody told them that. So you're not consistent with your message. That's the core problem. And any token, I don't care who you are. I don't care what network you're on. I don't care how great you think and how much you think your shit doesn't stink. Any token who can't get their messaging consistent is doomed to fail in the long run, as we saw with Santa Coin and so many others. And my job here is to communicate when I see these issues that are risks to any investor and call them out for what they are because I don't want any investor buying into a project and having this belief that they're going to be taken care of. And just because they chose to buy in on Binance, they're going to get screwed or they bought in on Phantom and they're going to get screwed. That's not fair to them. So I'll call it out. Some investors may not care. They may not care about the airdrop at all and may not claim it because it's not worth the hoops that they did because they built the tool to only assume MetaMask, which by the way, just got hacked, which is why I said, don't do that. That's a whole separate problem. My summary on this folks don't accuse somebody of being a fudder for telling the truth. FUD, a.k.a. fear, uncertainty, and doubt, comes when you make statements that are not factually accurate in an attempt to drive people away from a thing. When you make statements that are factually accurate and you are a token management company and you are afraid because you don't want the truth to come out, no, that's just sketchy. It's sketchy. It's petty. Because so many tokens that are true scams, true rug pulls, true honey pots, they don't want the smoke. They run from the smoke. They don't want the truth out there. They don't want people telling the truth about their project because they know this dude is really a rug pull under the hood. I believe Kishimoto's not a rug pull, but as I said in my ego episode, what tends to happen is if you're going to steer me to your telegram and that's all you care about and you don't care about getting your social media consistent, you don't care about all your investors, I will call you sketchy. Your job is to dis debunk me being sketchy. By saying, you know what? He's right. We need to get a consistent message. We should not have communicated what we did on Reddit. We need to find out who told that Reddit admin the wrong information. We need to get that person corrected. Then we need to circle back to the podcast and say, thank you for bringing that to our attention. Because we didn't know that we had an inconsistent message and we want to be consistent. And I'll circle it up with this and then we'll get on to our underdog token and have some fun. I've covered many tokens. I'm going to be, I've spoken to Dior token. They came on the air. They wanted the smoke and they've done everything by the book as clean as you could ask for. 
I have no concerns about them. I have some concerns about Perry because ultimately he's going after Schiller's and I don't agree with it. He fails to respond when he asks direct questions. But I'm going to have another person on the show this week. We got him scheduled and I'm going to be very excited to talk to him because he's somewhat of a celebrity in the crypto space. And I'll ask these questions too. I'll ask questions about how he thinks because he was around prior to the rise of what we know of as crypto. He was around prior to the dependence on social media. And I want to get his thoughts and I want him to tell me, am I wrong about the investor sentiment concern with social media presence and management plus multiple networks and making sure that everything's consistent? Is consistency a bad thing? And if it is, tell me why I want that smoke. So in summary, because of this interaction, you guys get to benefit. Anybody who's listening on this gets to benefit. And again, CryptoTalkRadio.net, we have a form right at the top. We also have Substack. If you link to Substack, you may be listening on Spotify. When I say Substack, Substack is a is the host. So you can go straight to Substack from CryptoTalkRadio.net. What I want to know is this. If you can find through any outlet we've communicated, which involves right now YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or any of the any of the podcasts, any of them, if you can find, it's a scavenger hunt, right? If you can find any evidence that I have distributed anything defined as FUD, which again is false, truly false information designed to tank, a, tank something, designed to harm something. If you can find direct evidence of true FUD, I'm not talking about factual information that the developers don't like. That's not FUD. That's telling the truth and they're acting sketchy about it. I'm talking about true FUD. It is not factually true. It cannot be proven. And it's designed to tank. It's directly negative in intent. If you can find anything defined as FUD, I will send you my entire bag that I've got here of Kishimoto. It's on the Binance chain. I'll send you my entire bag if you can find it. Now, here's the catch. You got to point out what that episode is, what that tweet is, what that Facebook post is, whatever it is. You got to point it out. And point out and describe why it's FUD under the definition that it has to be false. If you can't do that, you don't get the bag. But if you can do that, by all means, I want the smoke. And, hey, you'll get a bag of Kishimoto for your trouble. Of course, you'll gain rewards on a project that we're bullish about. So that's our giveaway offer. We're going to reiterate that on social media and see who's willing to step up to the plate. Because, like I said, we want the smoke. Now... Let's get into our underdog token of the day because we want to wrap up on something fun. Uh, the giveaway's fun. The scavenger hunt's fun. But we want to wrap up on something fun. So let's talk about our underdog token for the day. I covered a couple of tokens. This one is hard for me to cover, to be honest with you, because I still, I think the way they built it's just over complex, needlessly so. I get what it's conceptually doing, but I think they just went too far with complexity on this dude. I will do the best I can to provide the coverage that I can do. If any of them want to come on the show and help wrap some head around this, I would love that. I would love to talk through it because I'm, I struggle with exactly what this, what problem this solves. The token specifically that I'm talking about is spell token. It's on the Binance smart chain. It also is on other networks, but the reason this one came to my attention, believe it or not, was a Congress video I saw where the guy was calling about calling out magic internet money. And the site's called abracadabra.money. And the way they, they say it's simple, it's da, 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 pretty straightforward. It's not straightforward. It's a, it's a chaotic to me as a somebody who's been following this. It's just it's way over complex. 
But what it sounds like they're doing is they're saying that you can use certain assets that are used as collateral in an attempt to borrow this magic internet money, which you can then swap for something else. If that's what it is, I'm struggling to understand how spell plays a factor into this. It doesn't make any sense the way they describe it. And so I'm going to do a fundamentals coverage on this one rather than a technical coverage on this one because I think I think there's something here, but I'm having a hard time figuring out what that something is. And until I can wrap my head around it, I can't really advertise it. And of course, they do that get book garbage for the white paper, so I'm already kind of turned off because as I said, I want a PDF, I want something static, and I want to see that you do a better job about what you're doing. When you go to their site, it looks like some video game coming back from the Atari era, and they're they're explaining it like it makes perfect sense to nuts in the room, but the truth is it only makes sense to them, I'm pretty sure. And they've simplified it in their mind, but what they didn't do and what they failed to do, I think, personally, is they failed to put it in context to a larger audience understanding of what it is. Let me read their core description. Abracadabra.money is a lending platform that uses interest-bearing tokens, IBTKNS, as collateral to borrow a USD-peg stablecoin, which is their magic internet money, that could be used as any other traditional stablecoin. Currently, a lot of assets such as Y-Vaults have locked-in capital that can't be put to further use. Abracadabra offers an opportunity to use it. Stop right there. So they're describing magic internet money as a USD-pegged stablecoin. Okay, no problem. Then they're describing that the platform uses these tokens, but doesn't tell you in that first introduction where the tokens come from, how they work, why you get them, and it still doesn't describe how the spell token comes into play. It talks about the depositing the platform and then borrowing this money, and it says depositing collateral. Well, that's fine, but all the tokens that it's calling out, these aren't tokens that somebody would commonly hold. So it doesn't start at the beginning, okay? You would get these tokens from here. From there, you would give them to us, and then we would give you MIM, and then you could swap the MIM for a real, you know, stable coin. And it doesn't explain why you would do any of this, and it doesn't explain why you can't just go straight to the stable coin of choice and why you have to do three hops to do this. And then it doesn't clarify the whole borrow. One of the, I guess, I don't want to say conspiracies, that's bad, but one of the furors of the United States government with respect to Binance and Coinbase was the whole borrowing of assets, borrowing of money, which may have triggered the government to kind of get involved and look at this thing because anytime you're talking about borrowing, you're talking about securities. And of course, securities are under heavy scrutiny. So that to me resonates as high risk asset. Now, because they're not heavily describing exactly what's going on here to a layman audience, I can't say that it is or isn't you know, a high risk thing, but it certainly appears high risk because they're not explaining it. And they're talking about borrowing and they have not, you know, you pay, you page through the get book. And that's why another reason I like get book, you page through the get book. And at no point that I can obviously see, and when I stress obvious, I'm saying that you should build it in a way that it works for a layman audience. I can't obviously see how this all ties into the spell token. You get to a staking place and it says, stake your spell for S spell and you get fee sharing. Okay. Well, that's fine. This doesn't talk about how it correlates back to the magic internet money. And as far as I can tell, it doesn't. It's just a completely different mechanism. That's fine, but it should be spelled out that way. Give me a table, like a simple table that just says spell. Here's what it does. Here's why you have it. Here's what you get. And then here's your APY. Magic internet money. Here's what it does. Here's how you get it. And then 
these tokens. Here's how you get them. Here's where they come from. Some simple matrix that breaks it down. I think they just spent too much time on trying to impress somebody with the technical aspects of this because I do see that there's something here. I really do. But I don't think they did a good enough job explaining at a layman level exactly what's going on. They're just saying spell token, which, by the way, is on exchanges. You can buy it. And it does have a pretty good set of basic tokenomics if you are interested in farming and staking rewards. If you're interested in passive income, it does look like it has fundamental of those. 210 billion spell supply. They did a burn of 50%, so that's the remaining. And they're doing distributions after the initial and then on Uniswap and SushiSwap, and that's fine. And then they talk about the farming for spell. But again, it doesn't give any direct correlation that I can see to magic internet money. And I don't know. I remember I read a statement somewhere that said, yep, by doing spell, you cast a spell and it creates magic internet money. As far as what I can tell, that's not true. It might be, but if it is, your document doesn't do a good job of expressing it. So the fact that Congress has eyes on this thing might be a a gift and a curse because it means there's awareness at a mainstream level, but it also means there's scrutiny potential, and that means high risk, and that means it might trash at some point in the future, at least the MIM. And maybe that's why they kept them separate. Maybe they purposely decided to do this off to the side for those that want the high-risk asset. I'm not sure. Abracadabra.money, again, spell token is the core I was talking about. Take a look at it. See if you can make sense of it, and you know, feel free to leave comments or questions. I would love to have them on the show.